Um, and time and time again, you have that in Scripture where you encounter Jesus and uh, we get to enjoy just the, the sense of being in his presence. And it's not that his presence has changed, but he calls us to something. And this morning, um, we're going to be looking at Gideon. So if you're in your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 6, and I believe God is going to call some people uh, to some things today. But before I, I dive into that, um, uh, if you... As you heard from Al, uh, Lloyd's from Scotland. We went to school together in Zimbabwe. So if you want to know what I was really like back then, um, you can speak to, uh, speak to him. By God's grace, we are not the same people that we were. Um, but just to honor you, Lloyd, we were reflecting that so, so many of the most zealous Christians we were at school with have fallen away in the last 20-odd Sorry. years or so. Um, so well done. <laughs> Lloyd, we know it's God's grace, but um, faithfulness through the, through the years is a beautiful thing. Um, let's just pray for him. Maybe just think of people who you know who have no longer following the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Call them back to you. And if we've got a role in Scotland <laughs> to do something like that, I pray that you would lead us and speak to us, Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, so if, you, if you're not aware, uh, as a church, we're part of a worldwide movement of churches called New Frontiers, and we're particularly part of one called Relational Mission. And just this week, um, as you would have known, there were many of us at a conference just up the road in Ipswich. There were about 20 of us, I think, including those who popped in. And a whole bunch of you were, were serving. So Becca Woodley, who, um, with her husband Jordan, oversee the worship team. They, she was organizing the event. He was drumming the whole time. Uh, James Mulhollands was organizing the sound thing. Paul Tidbury and Joel Davies were there doing sound. Have I missed anyone? There were others doing many things. So... Um, it was a great time, but it's good to be home. It's nothing like uh, being home and uh, love you dearly, but just wanted to honor those who have been serving. And um, really, the, we, we, we have a, a large vision as a family of churches, but we were crystallizing it down to saying in the next five years, we want to plant 20 churches. Okay, in the next five years, just with our uh, little thing that God's called us to do, we want to plant um, five churches. And it was just wonderful to hear stories of what God's done. So one of our churches in London, uh, three guys uh, felt like they want to go to Seoul and start a YouTube channel. Okay? Not, not how I would plan a church, but, yeah. um, but they've gone and they've established a church over the years now, and they've just had elders put in place. So now, so now we're out in Seoul in South Korea. Um, there's a church in Japan. I met with someone I've gotten to know kind of online who's connected with us who's got a church or churches in Zambia. It was a beautiful time. We heard of a family from Kent who went to Bolivia. The wife was originally from Bolivia. Their heart was broken by the, just the poverty and the depravity in Bolivia. And they've been there some years now, and they're feeding folks on the streets. They're sharing the gospel. They've built some accommodation. They've started worshiping together with other people. It's been wonderful. Um, we couldn't broadcast all of the conference because there was a group of people who are, are starting gospel communities in the Middle East 
and countries there where you know, we couldn't broadcast who they were. It's just, it was a beautiful picture. And there are many others doing these things, but to be part of that is really, really exciting. Um, we heard of uh, how we're planting into Bath in the West Country. So if anyone's interested in going to Bath, planting a church, do come and speak to me. So they're landing there next summer and planting a church there. Um, and in the midst of this, there were these beautiful little stories of as people hit the streets and they went and just shared the gospel and prayed for people. I had the privilege. I went for an early morning breakfast with good friends uh, who, at the same time as we moved here, uh, just before we moved here, they moved to Lille to plant a church there. And we're having breakfast. And then as I was paying up, I just felt prompted to pray for the lady. So I just said to her, hey, uh, I'm a Christian. Is there anything I can pray for you for? Um, and she immediately said, yes, health. So I just started to pray for her, and I just felt the Lord uh, tell me that there might be something wrong with her chest. So I kind of looked up to her and said, is there something to do with your chest? And she looked at me and she said, yes, it's kind of getting better, but it's been bad. So I prayed for her a little bit more. And then she afterwards looked at me and said, can I give you a hug? She walked around from the camp and just gave me a hug. Um, I, think, I think her name was Tanya. It could have been Sandra. I can't. <laughs> it's one of those two. Um, but people are desperate. To be truly loved. Now, I don't know if she was healed or not. Um, I was obedience. Obedience is success. Um, but just in the midst of this grand vision that we have as a bunch of churches, there's this lady just in this little cafe. It's a pretty dingy cafe in the end. The pictures online look better. Um, I, kinda, I was like, do we really want to have breakfast here? But God used it. So next time you go to a dingy cafe... Um, maybe, God's, maybe, God's at, uh, maybe God's at work. But it was a brilliant time to be equipped personally, um, but to be caught up into something. You can catch up on those live streams on the Relational Mission YouTube channel. So if you're part of us and you want to catch a bit about, well, go to the YouTube channel and you'll need to go to the live tab to follow through with those things. And whilst he doesn't want to be bombarded, I'm sure James can give you more specific directions as I, as I can. Anyway, I'm going to pray and then we'll kind of get into, get into today. Lord Jesus, we love you. And for those who don't know you, Lord, uh, or can't imagine knowing God in a way where you can say, I love you, I pray you'd make yourself known today. Um, and those who do know they love you but haven't tasted and seen of the goodness of the Lord for a while, would you come and refresh us? Um, and those who feel as close to the throne room as you could be, thank you that there is immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. So we soften our hearts as best as we know how, and we posture ourselves to listen with faith, trusting God will speak to us. So I just want you to do that now. Just take a moment and say, God, would you speak to me? If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can invite him to speak to you. The worst that will happen is it'll be quiet. The best that will happen is you can encounter God. Don't listen for the person next to you. <laughs> just say, God, come and speak to me. And all of God's people said, Amen. So we're looking at Judges chapter 6, the story of Gideon. We're going to read about it in a, a little bit. Um, but we've called the series Step Out. Can you say Step Out? Okay. And I'll just warn you at the front end, at the end of my preach, I'm going to invite you who feel you want to respond to God to come to the front. And I've got a little line here, masking tape. And I'm going to ask you to step out from something and step out into something, okay? So those of you who like warnings and you can plan to disappear to the toilet, I will name you as you leave the door. No, I'm just joking. Um, you don't have to come forward, but I trust God will speak to you. 
this morning, in that the big idea is that Gideon is called to step out into his identity. He's called to step out into purpose. He's called to step out into conquest. He's called to step out into courage. He's called to step out into battle. He's called to step out and lead. And he's called to step out and ultimately follow God. But when you step out into something, the reason we're not in it already often is because we need to step out of something. Okay? We need to step out of, for him, it was stepping out of fear, stepping out of disappointment. It was stepping out of insecurity. It was stepping out of caring about his reputation too much. Um, some of you, God's already speaking to you. So as we'll go through the series, we'll see there's Gideon steps out, and as we do, God uses small outsider, behind-the-scenes, timid people to do amazing things. Amazing things. Um, and I think this is timely for us as a church, and I, I think it's both going to speak to us personally, but also together as a church, because God is doing wonderful things amongst us. We always yearn for more, but um, space is a bit tight. I mean, just look around, and this is without the 50 under-18s that we have most weeks, okay? Space is getting a bit tight for us. We feel God's spoken to us about going to the north of Colchester. We feel our limitations capacity-wise for that, but God's put something in our hearts. There's a university that represents 70% of the world, nations on our doorstep. There's an army base full of broken people that need God's healing and wisdom and guidance and courage, let alone your neighbors, your colleagues, and yourself. <laughs> um, and God is uh, adding many to us who are looking for churches that hold to the word of God, are full of the life of God, have, I trust, humble, approachable leadership, and are about something. Because um, sadly, many churches are forsaking the word of God. There's no other way to put it. Um, many aren't. There's many wonderful, good, other faithful churches. God bless them. God prosper them. We've got guests here from another church. May his favor be upon you. May he do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine as you hold to the word of God and are filled with the spirit of God. But I trust that God will do something in us. We feel limited in our capacity, in our abilities, in our inexperience, in our insecurities, in our reluctances, in our inserts in the blank. Um, and my prayer that as God speaks to us individually and corporately, that we will step out. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I trust that you'll be called to step out from comfort into following God, which is usually wonderfully uncomfortable. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're seeking him and trying to find or you've just come out because you've eventually said yes to an invite, um, I trust that God will call you to step into all that he has for you today. Let's uh, read Judges chapter 6, and then we'll dive in. I'm just going to read the first 16 verses in there. Verse 1. I'll read it, I'll give you some context, and then we'll unpack it. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So God's people, God's nation uh, had rebelled against him. For, and for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive... The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, in caves, in strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and Malachites 
and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Can you say ravage? Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord. Verse 7, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. Note that. He sent someone to speak to them first. Who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel said, I brought you up out of Egypt. We heard from the psalm today. I delivered you out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. And then... Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash, the Abdelazarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Okay, so a wine press in the ground where you normally trample wine, he's threshing wheat so he's not seen or exposed to the enemies to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to this guy hiding under oppression, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I don't know what version you have. Mine, the ESV said, pardon me. Whose whose Bible says, pardon me? There you go. Some of you it says, but. Um, Others it doesn't say that, but the the NIV says, pardon me. Pardon me, Lord. Must have been a British translator. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? You say you're with us, God. Why, Why is this going on? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, it's interesting, God doesn't really deal with our objections, does he? He said, oh, let me give you an apologetic. Let me give you a few. And just, the Lord says, okay, Gideon, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my version says, my Lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I'll be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. It's interesting, we expect God to answer all the questions, don't we? He often doesn't. He just says, get on with it. There's going to be mystery. Just get on with it. Get on with what you know. It's not that those questions are not important and we need to deal with them, but if they're stopping us doing stuff, I think sometimes God says, go in the strength you have. But, 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 no, 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 why, why? Yeah. You know, there's, we've got the whole word of God now, but God says go. So the context here, as, as, uh, you can follow our Judges series. We did a whole series on Judges. You can go to our website and find this, but basically... God's people have come out of Egypt, been delivered, come into the promised land. That's a type of salvation, kind of a picture of what God does for us, right? Uh, and, and they follow God, and he gives them their land. But they go through this cycle again and again where they're blessed, and God's with them. And then they sin, and they rebel, and God gives them over to oppression. And eventually it gets so hard that they come to their senses, and they repent and cry to the Lord. And God sends someone to deliver them, whether it's... Deborah, or whether it's Samson, or whether it's Gideon, and they enjoy a time of peace and prosperity, and when things get comfortable, they rebel again, 
and they forget God. And it goes round and round and round. And when they reject God, it's not like God kind of just strikes them down. God, it says, gives them over. That's generally how the judgment of God works. You get given over to that which you want. Okay? So eventually God is patient. God is kind. God is faithful. God perseveres. God is with you. But if you keep saying, no, God, no, God, even if you don't use those words and you're saying yes to something else before God, yes to something else before God, there comes a point where God says, you have it. So they wanted a king like the other kings of the nations around them, right? They wanted to operate like everyone else. They wanted their own way. They wanted to be self-determining. They wanted to define what life should be like with them, so they just kept turning away from God. They wanted comfort. They wanted ease. And eventually God gives them over. Most of us in our lives, when we look back now, we think, that happened because of a choice I made. And we just slowly but slowly, we didn't put God first. And we find ourselves in a place where we've got basically what we chose. We just never knew it would be like this. Because we've been duped, haven't we? Been conned. We're, we're told this will satisfy you and it leaves you empty. We're told that that person will be the answer to all your dreams and they're not the answer. <laughs> I won't say what they are. Well, you know, it, it, and that's how often the judgment of God works. You get what you want. We don't put God first. We want other things. We find them lacking, not fulfilling, emptying, not filling, never enough, not satisfying, harmful, not helpful, and so on. And so this is where Israel are. And their situation is really dire. Okay, It is absolutely dire. The, the Midianites were oppressive. They pitch out. They ravage the land, the crops. They kill everything in sight. It says they were like a swarm of locusts. You couldn't even count them. And they destroyed every living thing. They ravaged the land. It was overwhelming. Oppression. Hope was a faint and fading light amidst the darkness of oppression. Survival and coping was the best that they could do. They had to hide to survive. Hey, have you ever felt like that? Are you feeling like that now? It's like hope. The thought of breaking free of this sin the hope of learning that Jesus is enough while I live with these desires and fight against them that would lead me another way. They're so strong. Yeah, it's, it's oppressive. I've tried so hard. I've given up. Right? You think that relationship to be restored, there's no hope anymore. It's, just, it's overwhelming. How am I ever going to break out of this, this debt and this finance? I know I should give God my first and my best, but... I need, whatever it might be, we all have something like that where we are resigned to it, right? We're resigned to it, and the best we can do is thresh some wheat hiding, throw an arrow prayer up, whatever it might be. So where is that area for you right now? As the cycle goes on, they cry out to God. Isn't that a beautiful phrase, isn't it? Hey, we can all cry. I mean, sometimes you reach the point where there's no more tears, and you think, oh, I just feel as dead as a dodo. Ever been there? Yeah, I, I, am I alive inside? Whether it's exhaustion or you're just so disillusioned. But they, they cry out to God. And when we truly cry out in repentance, 
God comes, doesn't he? Not out of regret. Because sometimes you see in Judges, people, they regret their decisions because life has turned out harder than they thought. And they wish they hadn't made that decision so they were not in that place. That's different to saying, I grieved God. And I've wronged God. And look where I found myself. I don't like it. Yeah? Regret is often tied to consequences. Repentance is often tied to having grieved God. If you want to work out. Now, obviously, we regret circumstances as well. But if in that is not, Lord, we turned away from you. You've been so faithful. You've given us so many promises. You've delivered me and you've saved me. And look where I am now. This shows me I've walked away from you. I'm sorry, Lord. I wish I hadn't done it. I wish I wasn't facing this. But I wish I hadn't sinned against you. So that's that's repentance. Regret is, well, I wish I hadn't done that because things might have been better if I'd done something differently. You know, there's a bit of that, but the one ignores God. So they cry out to God. And interestingly, before a judge, so judges were just rulers. They're not the people who kind of hit the... You know, the judgment thing, as we think of judges, they were the deliverers, rulers of the people of God at that time. He sends a prophet. Before sending a deliverer, God sends a prophet to speak to them and to diagnose what the real issue is. You see, often we want relief from symptoms. We don't want the diagnosis of the problem. We want heavenly paracetamol so we can carry on and not feel unwell. We don't want to think, okay, maybe I shouldn't be staying up until midnight, waking up at five and eating unhealthily and uh, whatever it might be that, that leads to this thing, right? We want relief from symptoms. We very rarely want a diagnosis of the problem so that it's cut out of our lives and dealt, and dealt with. We <laughs> typos very, you've got to be careful with typo. I was reading over my nights, over my notes. Um, <laughs> instead of pill popping... I had pill pooping, okay? Um, so uh, I, I'm glad I didn't say that. Well, I, I have now. So anyway, um, God wants your freedom, not your comfort. Now, your greatest comfort is found in freedom with God. But he's more interested in you being free, spiritually healthy, living the full life of God, which is not necessarily relief from difficulty. In fact, obviously, we know this difficulty is how God refines us and leads us into greater and greater freedom. That's why the people of Israel went round and round, because God wanted them to learn a lesson. Now he's patient and he's kind. So where in your life are you looking for relief <laughs> to God? And you say, God, send me a deliverer. Deliver me from this situation. And God sends you a preacher to point out what's going on. <laughs> um, or you read a devotional and there's conviction in there. Or a friend challenges you. And says, and it's uncomfortable. But you know they write. And you're faced with a choice in that moment, aren't you? Well, I ignore that and go for a heavenly paracetamol somewhere. Um, yes, God loves me and God cherishes me. He does not love my sin. So this prophet comes to diagnose their issues so they can do something about it. We read about it, verse 9. So God comes and he says, I rescued you. I saved you. I redeemed you. I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I demonstrated power and authority. I drove them out and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship these other gods in whose land you live. 
here's the diagnosis, but you haven't done the right thing. No. But you have not listened to me. You have not heeded what I've said. You have not obeyed what I told you to do. The problem is that they haven't listened to God. They've listened to other voices. They've listened to other whispers. They've listened to other desires. God recalls this history and says, you've not paid attention and you've not taken on board what I said. Instead, and we see this in Gideon's life, as we'll unpack over the next four weeks, God says, and Gideon says, pardon me, I have another perspective. <laughs> but, what about this? But, I've got this other voice. But, I've got, I'm really trying hard not to steal the three preachers to come. It's very hard. But he listens to other voices. He has chased other desires. He has put other things first and have not listened to God. What are you listening to? Yes, with this, that's important. <laughs> but what are you listening to inside? That often comes out like this. So are you listening to the accuser? So Satan, the devil, he's real, is called the accuser of the breath. He's always accusing you, okay? You shouldn't have. You, should, you got it wrong. You, 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 you. So you can listen to that voice, right? And you can listen just to your own muddled thinking. I can't do it. I'm not enough. I'm too shy. Right? I'm not eloquent enough. I'm not clever enough. I don't have enough capacity. Okay? If only you knew what I was really like. I used to be like that. I'm a bit like, I'm a bit like that now. Where is what you're listening to leading you to? Is it leading you to fullness of life in Christ? And abundant fruitfulness. Because you have been appointed to go and bear fruit. And fruit that will last. If you are not bearing fruit. If I am not bearing fruit. And fruit that will last. It's a journey. Yes. We're listening to some other voices. And we heard from Morris last week. We put ourselves in the place of God. When we choose to listen to our voice rather than his. It's not just I'm struggling to believe God. No. You're choosing to believe yourself above God. Right? And if you want to know whether your thinking's right or not, here, this will tell you. Okay? God's word. And there's two pitfalls that we can fall into when to listen to something self pity. Okay? I can't. I'm not enough. And we forget what God says about who we are. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit, endowed with power from on high. Your competence comes from the Holy Spirit, it's in Christ. Right? Or we can go to self-reliance. I can. I'm amazing. I can do this. But it's not faith-filled. You forget God. And you rely on your sharp mind or certain other skills. Those things are wonderful and good. Someone turned on their own place, if that's okay. <laughs> I know everyone's busy. Okay, self-reliance or self-pity. Which one are you prone to go to? Culturally speaking, and in this part of the world, most of us go down to the I can't and I'm not, right? The Gideon route. Other nations, cultures, predominantly maybe where I come from, it's the other one. Self-reliance, I can, I'm the man, 
whatever it might be, or the woman. And with these things come, I deserve, I should have. Those are the voices you listen to. And with this one is, I need, I need, whatever it might be. We can listen to the voices of limitation, accusation, and intimidation. And we are fed discontent daily, aren't we? I I, I see this all around. We always should have more. And as a result, we're not thankful. I mean, that's how marketing works, right? Breeds discontent. Look at this. You don't have it, but you can. Get a credit card, more makeup, you know. Always seek a promotion. Don't even ask the question whether it's God's will. Just go for the best job possible. Those two might be the right. I was chatting to someone before this, and um, sometimes you chat to those who are studying universities, and you're like, what do you want to do afterwards? And they have a 10-point plan. And God might be in that. But this person I was chatting to said, I don't know where I'm going to end up. I kind of know what I want to do, and I'm honing my skills. I want, I'm going to end up where God wants me to be. You know who you are. Well done. Now, God might have spoken to you, and God speaks through desires. There's nothing wrong to say, I want to go to London and do this, or did it. Fine. That's, that's all good. Is your posture, is this what God wants from me as well, in the midst of that? So question for you, what do you need to step out of listening to? Just pause for a moment. What's your internal dialogue? You may not know, which is why you need friends that you invite to speak into your life. And you say, when you look at me, where am I not believing God? Your friend's got a mental list and they just don't really know how to say it. Because they love you and they want to help you. Okay? Who can you ask to help you on this, on this journey? So this is, this is the cause, this is diagnosis, it's our challenge. And then what does God do specifically with Gideon here? So we, we read about it in verse 12. So God comes and says, hey, I've delivered you, you've not listened to me. Okay, that's the problem. And then he comes to Gideon, verse 12. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, <laughs> Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, Why? Why aren't we seeing wonders? Why aren't we seeing miracles? Why? Verse 14, God's response, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Verse 15, pardon me, Gideon says again, but Gideon replies, how can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest and I'm the least in my family. So God spends the next half an hour through the angel telling him why he's not the least in his family, all his credentials. No, God probably agrees with him that he might be the least in his family. But God says, I'll be with you. And you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. Okay, he doesn't particularly deal with Gideon's self-pity, insecurity, or even honest assessment of himself. It's okay to be honest in some way. I ain't that. But if that means I can't do what God says, that's not true. Okay? So all of this, what God says, starts with, I'm with you. Turn to the person next to you say, I'm with you. Okay? 
Tell them I got you turned to the person next to you. It doesn't make sense, but anyway. <laughs> but what happened? There's something in Gideon, okay? I think we can give Gideon a really bad rap here, and I, I think there's things to learn from. But in the midst of massive oppression, the guy is threshing wheat for his people. There's something about him, isn't there? Even if it looks to us like survival, man, he's hiding, he's threshing wheat. That's probably a wise thing to do in some ways because he's oppressed, right? He's being faithful with little. It's all mixed up in him. And I think God sees something in him because God comes to him, doesn't he? The Lord is with you. What is the angel? I'm saying God, how God speaks. You know, uh, God sees something in him. And I think we see what it is when frustration comes out. What frustrates you? It's often a sign of what God wants to use you for, because you see a problem. So it comes out in Gideon. God says, I'm with you. And Gideon says, if you were with us, you're a God of wonders. Where are they? If you were with us, I've heard stories. Why have other generations lived in revival, but I haven't? I believe these things. There's a kernel of truth in there. But where are they, God? So Gideon's caught in this world of, I, 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 I have this ember. You know, I love reading about revivals, but I, I'm a bit fed up. I want to I be in one. I, I, listen, I'm, I'm glad God did that 30, 40, 100, whatever years ago. I'm not an expert in revival. And I can read them to motivate me now and to stir me. Into, well, I, I want something like that in my day. Okay? But that's mixed with, oh, I'm not gonna, I can't do anything about it. Who am I? God's not going to use me. That's what's going on with Gideon. There's this godly frustration. and I love the church. I come from an unbelieving family, a broken family. I found Jesus. I had my sins cleansed of me. And I found my real family that will live forever. I know the church is the hope of the world. Because it was my hope. It was my restoration. And I have a vision of the church that will give my life to this until God calls me home or tells me to do something else. I love the church. So I live and breathe for to see the beauty of the church, where people come into church. Say, That's a great place. God's there. Man, they're imperfect people, but there's something about the church of Jesus. What is it for you? Hopefully it's the church as well. You know what I mean? But God has given you other burdens, friends, but you might think they're an ember form. They're an ember form. And when God says, I'm with you, like, if you're with me, I wouldn't be like this. I wouldn't have this insecurity. I wouldn't have this problem. I would be able to pray for people to get sick, to be able to get healed from being sick. <laughs> I'd be able to see people delivered from the oppression of the devil. It's real. I would have a clear mind about what really matters in, in life. What is it in you that kind of when God says, I'm with you, like, yeah, but if you were, hey, there's something in you and God sees it. And then he sees this bubbling up in you and he says, mighty warrior. Go in the strength that you have. Not self-reliant strength. Step out. Watch what I do. That's how God, that's how faith works. Faith always acts, doesn't it? Faith always acts. Abraham, not knowing where he was going, stepped out. I don't know what I'm doing. God said go. Moses' parents put him in a basket at the risk of probably crocodiles. But it was a little faith act. Just a little... Thing. Esther, perhaps if I go before the king, I'll see the Jewish nation saved. Hallelujah. Jonathan, perhaps if I go out and defeat the Philistines, the thing, purposes of God will prevail. Perhaps 
I think we give perhaps a bad rap sometimes. <laughs> you know, not blind, foolish perhaps. In the will of God, I think this is a good thing. And I have an ember of faith. Go in the strength you have. See what the Lord will do. Seek wise counsel, all of that. The problem is, we don't listen to God. We listen to the other voices. You can't, you're not enough, etc. What is it that is simmering and bubbling in you? What is your godly ambition? Where is your frustration? What passions have been dulled? Where is there delay and disappointment that has shaped you and now marks you more than it should? What promises are you living with personally, but also gods in the world that we've become apathetic to because we've had a wait and life is tough and we live in a non-Christian nation and people are resistant? I'm not so sure they are anymore. People are wide open for authentic truth with integrity because there's no other answers in the world. Stable governments, what's that? Stable economy, what's that? I'm going to live forever as long as I've got access to healthcare. What's that? Pandemic. You have no, no one in the world has any security to live on other than Jesus. People are desperate for the truth right now. Now, there's a personal side to this and there's a corporate. You see, he says to him, go and save Israel, right? And then he has a personal call in that, but the mission is to go and save Israel, to go and see people saved. Okay, I know every time I say Israel at the moment, there might be some of you are thinking, I'm talking about the people of God, okay? Go and, go and see people saved. That's that. If you don't know what God said to you specifically, get on with the mission of God as best you know how. Go in the strength you have. Share the gospel. Get equipped. Pray your hearts out. And I better move on because time is tight. Where should we go? Because I want us to respond. So as we go into this series, four weeks, the big picture is this. Step out away from things and look to God. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? Listen to God. Trust God. Look to Him. There'll be some specific things we unpack in the next three or four weeks from the life of Gideon. And God will be with you. He will provide dreams. He will provide resources. He will send the enemy fleeing in your simple acts of obedient faith. He can save your children through your meager prayers. Meager prayers, we think of. He can restore that relationship. So you need to step out and look up and listen to the Lord and his promises for you. As the song go, may his presence go before you and behind you, and beside you, all around you, and within you. He is with you. He is with you. So where can you step out and serve God's mission? Personally speaking, this last week at the conference, I've been convicted that I've been listening to the voices of caution and calling them wisdom. I've been listening to voices of abdication and calling them humility. Because being a leader in this current culture, a Christian leader, it's just ain't pleasant. 
Someone's looking to cancel you for saying the wrong thing. I've been listening to voices of discouragement and calling them limitations. It's not the measure of my gifting, Lord. I've been listening to voices of comfort and I've been calling them peace. That's a word for some, a lot of people today. Oh, I'm peaceful now. No, you're comfortable. I need to step out of these things and into what God has put in my heart, in the strength I have, trusting him to be with me and part seas, change hearts, add laborers, provide finances, and work miracles. What is it for you? So what I'm going to ask you to do in a few moments is, uh, if you want to respond, then you feel the Holy Spirit has put his finger on something you, want to, you need to step out of. Stop believing, stop listening to, stop letting it dominate you, stop having your life directed by it. What I want you to do, and, and, and if there's something God's calling you to step into, what I want you to do is come, we're going to come this way, we'll do a little circle. In a moment, we'll have some music playing. I just want, there's a line here. I just want you to come, and I want you to pause, just in the quiet of your heart, say, Lord, I'm stepping away from X, Y, Z, and I step out towards Yes, might just be yes to you, Lord. Okay? And then you carry on whichever way you want. Okay? Have you got that? For some of you, getting up in front of people is the biggest stepping out that you need to do. Forget about those people who are looking at you. If they're assessing you, then they need to come and jump, 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 jump. Okay? So just pause for a moment. Elia, would you mind... Um, just playing for us. I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. So that's personally. But before we do that, I think God's calling us to step out as a church, guys. It's been around eight years now. It's time to crack on. Time is short. People need Jesus. We'll be sharing news in the coming weeks about what we think our plans, what, what, our, what we think what our plans are, but what we think God is leading us to in the north of Colchester. As a church bond in Chelmsford, we're strengthening. So much going on. I think it's, a, it's an exciting time for us. It's going to be uncomfortable. So let's just pray. Holy Spirit, just close your eyes, still your heart, open your, open your, open your hands. Holy Spirit, we, as best as we know how, say yes to you. And we are sorry, Lord, where we have listened and been shaped by other voices. We reject those. We leave them behind. We say no more, Satan. We say no more self focus on us above God focus and I want to ask you dear Holy Spirit right now you call people to step into something some of you need to step out of racism and into reconciliation some of you need to step out of woe is me into I trust God 
Some of you need to step out of hurt and bitterness into forgiveness and freedom. So come, Lord Jesus, and as a people, as a church, we say yes to you. Would you join me? If you're part of Redeemer and you with the courage of God to say we trust you and we say yes to you, God, would you say yes to God? Say yes to you. Yes to sacrifice. Yes to commitment. Yes to mission. Yes to being stretched. Yes to being healed. Yes to being restored. Yes to being forgiven. So just as you are ready, we're going to give this a couple of minutes. So don't linger too long. We're going to come back to worship. I want you to start heading up that side and coming down here and just pausing and stepping over the line. I'm just going to be here. I'll pray for each person as you go past. So when you're ready, would you come? If you're not a Christian, you can come and step over the line from unbelief to belief, from unforgiveness to forgiveness, from having the righteous judgment of God bearing down on you to having the mercy of God filling your life, away from hell and into heaven with Christ. Come. Don't worry what other people are doing it for. Just take a pause, step over in your own way. If you need prayer, find someone you know. Ask Al and Abby at the front. They'll be able to help someone with you. Don't go away and try and do this alone. Some of you are wrestling right now with hidden, besetting sins. And you're being tempted to bury them and hide them. This is the day. Would you listen to the Lord before you're given over to that what you want? God in His mercy is calling you. Tell someone, tell the Lord. Jesus. Just wonder if we can sing quietly as we sit and I have decided to follow Jesus just quietly. We'll make it a bit of an anthem for ourselves as we go. Decided to follow Jesus. Decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
turning back Love turns And again, let's go Follow Jesus I have a star Some of you might need to get militant in your heart about this. Yes, returning back. Yes, Lord. Turning back, no turn. 